Thank you. Well, it looks like Andrew got a haircut and a shave. That looks, that looks pretty good. Well, welcome, church. Good morning. Whether you are here with us online or on site, uh, especially those who are on site, we want to welcome you back to this in-person worship experience that you can have with us today. It, it has been a while, as, uh, as we heard reference just a few moments ago, and I can't tell if you're smiling or not because you all have masks on, but I'm going to assume that we're glad to be back. <laughs> Is that indeed the, indeed the case? Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, it's been a long, and I had to count them, five months since we last kind of gathered officially in this place. And, and there's been many changes in life and many changes in the world around us, that enough so that I think it makes us long for the good old days. Remember the good old days, like, like January, <laughs> just a few months ago, where the worst things we had to worry about were a few inches of snow to shovel and maybe catching the common cold? That was about as bad as it got back in January in the good old days. <clears throat> Well, there's no doubt that our, our lives have changed over these past few moments. They've really been dominated by, by change and by degrees of uncertainty. All of us, I'm sure if we sat down and visited for a while, we'd have stories of, of how we've had to learn to, to work from home or perhaps supervise employees who are working from home, which is its whole other challenge right there. Uh, uh, people who are trying to figure out how do we navigate school this fall for our children, what about recreation and, and enjoyment of going out with, with gyms closed and rec centers closed? And even just simple tasks, uh, going to the store for, for bread and milk. we got to line up and mask up at times. These, these things have continued to change in our world around us. And it's difficult for some people, for many of us. It's very difficult. I found myself this past week, I actually used a phrase that I never imagined I would use before. You see, I was going down to pay a bill at a company. It was just quick, run in, pay the bill, run out. And so I, I pulled up in front of the business, and I jumped out of my truck, and I got to the door, and there was a sign that says, masks required. And you've probably done this too, because I'm still getting used to the, to the mask required everywhere we go. It's like, oh, nuts. I thought it was a quick trip in and out. I go back to my truck, I open the door, and, and here's the phrase. And I said to myself, oh, no, I've forgotten my favorite mask. And now... If you had told me back in the good old days of January that, number one, I would have a collection of masks, and secondly, that I would have a favorite within that collection, I would have thought that you were crazy, that I would be living in those times and actually saying that phrase in this season we're currently in. Well, maybe even as you walked into the church building today, you were probably a little unsure of what to expect because change and uncertainty is common. You probably anticipated that there'd be some new measures in place, like sanitizing our hands and, and wearing masks and physical distancing, because we've experienced that elsewhere in our world the last little while, and we're becoming increasingly familiar with those. But you probably weren't quite sure how you're going to feel. You see, one thing I've come across in my own life and in, in those of the congregation that I've been in contact with and trying to continue to, to minister to is that everybody had these pre-existing kind of patterns of how they journey with Jesus and, and, and how they engage in church. But then the COVID season hit and cue change. All of a sudden, everything changed. Now, some people adapted rather quickly where they continued in, in their personal development. They, they continued in a devotional life. Sometimes they even ramped up a devotional life, and, and they continued with regular times of prayer and seeking new ways to serve people in this season. There's other people, a number of people, who, who struggled. 
They, they were very thankful for West Meadows at Home that allowed them to keep kind of a weekly, regular routine in place. But, but it was difficult to know how to, how, to, how to engage in more Bible reading on their own, how to, how to stress more prayer in their lives. And a lot of people had good intentions, but if they're honest with themselves and when they're honest with me, it, it was inconsistent and, and it fell short of their previous patterns. And then there's other people who just, unfortunately, a rather large group who just like completely disengaged, either because they chose not to or, or didn't know how to feed themselves spiritually. And now we find ourselves at this moment in time where it's hard to re-engage in these new patterns. So in all of these cases, no matter where you may find yourself, I want to let you know, suggest to you that where you find yourself today is a product of the seeds of faith that you planted or did not plant during times of change and uncertainty. But here's the good news. The good news for all people is that whether you are participating on site or online, you are never more than one step. You are never more than one moment from one decision from engaging, from re-engaging, from nurturing your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to consider what that looks like for you as we head into the fall. And part of that is today as we talk about the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness as we continue our series. And we can very simply understand this fruit of faithfulness to be defined as being dependable in our relationship with God and with others. Now, that's not a foreign concept to, to a lot of us, I would guess. Like, in all of our relationships in our lives, faithfulness is kind of the unwritten rule, isn't it? It's this thing that's expected within all of our relationships we have in life. In your friendships, if somebody gives you their word, you expect them to follow through. See, a faithful person is one that you can count on. In our marriages, we stand before family, friends, and God, and we enter into these lifelong sacred promises to another person. Faithfulness to those covenants are expected. But even within ourselves, if we make a promise to ourselves or, or decide that we want to learn a new skill or if we want to get healthier, we want to go earn a new degree, we need to be true to the choices and stick with the plan to be faithful to ourselves. See, in all of these and in other areas of life, faithfulness, we know, is relatively easy when everything goes as planned, when there's no bumps along the road. But as we all know, and certainly have experienced the last few months, that's not real life. There is no problem-free life. There is no life that is devoid of change and uncertainty, and there is certainly no life that is devoid of temptation. You see, and in these moments is when faithfulness is tested. It's in those moments of change and uncertainty and temptation when faithfulness is either going to fail or it's going to be proven to be true. You see, it's easy to be faithful when we're to, our, to our health plans when we're at the gym. But it's not so easy to be faithful when we're at this dessert bar. It's easy to be faithful to our friend and the plans we establish with them when that's what's in our schedule. But it's not so easy to be faithful to them when somebody else calls with a better option for the night. It's easy to be faithful to those that we've made these lifelong marriage promises to. But sometimes, for some people, it's not so easy when somebody else starts showing an interest in us. 
But it's in these moments when faithfulness is tested and either will fail or it will prove to be true. And those who are faithful in moments like this will reap a harvest of blessing. But those who are not faithful, and we know, reap a harvest of pain and sorrow because they end up hurting themselves and others. And so as we discuss this idea of faithfulness further here today, I pray that you'll come to see something very particular when we talk about faithfulness being applied, about the impact, about the effects, the power of faithfulness in our lives. And it's this. It's that times of change and uncertainty are the fertile soil in which we plant seeds of faithfulness if we're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Change and uncertainty is the fertile soil into which we plant seeds of faithfulness if we are going to reap a harvest of blessing. I think we know this to be true in our relationships. If we were to ponder that thought for a second and reflect upon our relationships, I have to imagine many of us, if not all of us, would go, yeah, I've experienced that, and I've experienced the opposite of that. And if that's the case in our relationship with one another, how much more so is that important in our relationship with God? You see, we're told in the Bible that the basis of our relationship with God is faith. A faith that kind of goes both ways. And here's what I mean by that. See, first of all, God made promises to his people. God made promises to us, and he has proven himself to be faithful to those promises. And we're going to look at that in just a minute here. But then the people are to respond, are to respond to his faithfulness by placing their faith in him for this life and the life to come. You see, faithfulness is faith applied. That's what faithfulness really is. And a well-known Bible verse that is worthy of memorization for all people speaks of it this way, speaks of our, 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 our faithful response to God because of his faithfulness this way. In, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, probably one of the most famous verses on faith that exists. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, this verse is not talking about blind faith. I will never encourage you towards blind faith. This idea of taking a wild leap of faith into the dark abyss of uncertainty, that's not what Scripture calls us to. That's not what this verse is talking about. See, what it's saying in this verse is that based upon God's promises and his faithfulness to those promises, we have every reason to trust him now and for the future. But there are times when there's a gap, when there's a gap between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise, and we need to choose what we're going to fill that gap with. And this verse is saying to us that we need to fill that gap with faith, is what we fill the gap with. And then in Hebrews 11, to prove this point, the author continues by talking about what we can refer to as this like hall of heroes, these Old Testament men and women who received a promise from God, but then there was a gap. There, there was this, this time where it was not fulfilled, and sometimes it was a long time. For some of them, it was a lifetime of going unfulfilled. But in that gap, they planted a seed of faithfulness that reaped a harvest of blessing down the way. 
one of the best examples we see in Hebrews 11 of this is the promise God made to Abraham and Sarah. And if you happen to be following along in Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find this small kind of summary of their story in verses 8 through 12, where God makes, God kind of promises to bless Abraham and his descendants and to make him a great nation. And starting in verse 8, it says this. It says, by faith... Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. You see, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Now, this calling that God placed upon Abraham, sometimes it's technically referred to as the Abrahamic covenant. And we can read the details of this covenant in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And this Abrahamic covenant is this promise that God made to Abraham and his descendants, and it's summarized through five I will statements. And it reads like this. It says, I will make you a great nation, God says to Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Now, Abraham receives this calling, and he goes to this land he does not know, but the promise is yet to be filled. So Abraham responds by saying, I will fill that gap with faithfulness. And he was faithful to this covenant, and it's important for us to understand in our own lives, we know it's important to be faithful to the promises that we make, but, but even more so back in these days that Abraham was living. You see, back in this time, they took it so seriously that sometimes they would enter into these covenant ceremonies, and, and, and almost kind of like these grisly scenes, like these blood covenant ceremonies that enter into, and, and actually Abraham and God did just that, and it's recorded in Genesis chapter 15 if you want to read kind of the whole details of this. But, but, but here's what happened, and, and you'll see why this is important in a moment. You see, Genesis 15 records this ceremony they went into where, where, where Abraham took five animals, and he cut them in half. And he put one half on this side, one half on this side, times five animals, creating a pathway down the middle. And here's how the ceremony would work, is is the two people would come to terms on the the language of the agreement, of the covenant they've entered into, and then both people would typically walk between those animals as a ceremonial sealing of the covenant, symbolically saying, may this be done to me if I do not keep my oath as was done to those animals. They took it pretty seriously. I'm not sure how that would change a lot of the promises we make. If Maybe we should include that as part of like wedding ceremonies going forward and see if we can lower the divorce rate by, by doing that. We probably just lower the marriage rate by doing that. But, but you can see how seriously they took these covenant ceremonies. But here's the amazing thing we find in Genesis 15. See, in this particular case, God alone walked down that middle aisle. Not Abraham. And see, this is symbolic of God taking upon himself sole responsibility for this covenant. That means God now entered into an unconditional promise with Abraham and his descendants. That nothing in the fulfillment of this promise was dependent upon Abraham. 
It was fully dependent upon God. God was confirming that he was solely 100% responsible to be faithful to the promise to bring Abraham into this land, to be responsible to make Abraham a blessing and to bless him and to give him an heir. Now, as time passes, remember, promise, fulfillment, gap in the middle, time passes, Sarah and Abraham enter into their golden years, like 90 years and up. They have wealth. They have some land. But they do not have an heir. And in Genesis 16, Sarah and Abraham lose faith. And they hatch their own plan, their own idea on how they can create and come by an heir that they can continue God's blessing in their lives for God. Thanks, God, but we'll give you a hand and we'll take it from here if you don't mind. And the plan is this, that, that see, Sarah has this Egyptian slave girl named Hagar who is young, and she's of childbearing years, and so one plus one equals two. You guys can start a family together, and that'll be where the air will come from, and God's blessing can continue, and all will be well. Logically, it makes sense to them. It seems like the only way of doing this, but in the act of doing so, they're actually planting a seed of unfaithfulness. And they didn't sow and harvest blessings and said they sowed something else. See, because when the slave girl had a son, they named him Ishmael, Sarah became very jealous. Conflict erupted within the family. And so much conflict that Sarah sends them off to be left for dead, if not for God's intervening in the situation. But remember, even though they've gone down this path on their own, but remember, God was solely responsible for the covenant. And so in spite of that, in spite of their unfaithfulness, in spite of all the steps that they took and how they muddied their own lives, and in spite of their old age, he who made the unconditional promise remained true to his word. As we get back to the story, it's recorded in Hebrews 11, in verses 11 and 12, it says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was able to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sands of the seashore. You can read the full account of that in Genesis chapter 21, where Sarah is allowed to conceive a son, who she names Isaac. And Isaac and his offspring would fulfill the blessing that God had made to Abraham. If you want to read the whole story this afternoon, as it's nice and sunny outside, you can find this in Genesis 12 through 25. But as you read the whole story, what you'll find is this. You'll find these incredible moments of faithfulness. But you'll also find that they entered into moments of uncertainty where they lost faith. And when they lacked faith in what they hoped for, they had a tendency to take control of the situation themselves. Anyone else ever find themselves guilty of that? When, when change or uncertainty comes into the equation in your life, do you, do you am I the only one, maybe, I don't, probably not, who, who takes control of the situation? I'll get it from here, God, because it seems like you're out of control. That's also known as unfaithfulness. And they didn't reap blessings when that happened. You see, they reaped a harvest of something else instead, of sorrow and conflict that existed from that time even up until today because in those two sons were two nations. You see, in the nation of, uh, 
of Islam looks towards Ishmael as a patriarch. And the nation of Israel looks to Isaac as a patriarch. And we know history to know the, con the, the, the conflict and tension between those two families who both claim Abraham as a father, who both claim the land of the promise, who both claim a right to the covenant promise made with Abraham. A seed sown of unfaithfulness that has ramifications up to this very day. But when we remain faithful to God and we sow these seeds of faithfulness as they did with Isaac, they reap this harvest of blessing. And you can follow it throughout the story of the Old Testament where, where Isaac has children and they eventually grow into the 12 tribes of Israel. And God blesses them and he provides for them and he makes them settle in the promised land. And he cares for them. We see as the story continues that they had great prophets and, and great leaders and, and, and eventually great kings, including King David, who, who God loved and blessed, and a man who was after God's own heart, so much so that God made a new promise to King David following through this lineage. And God said to David, there will come a day when, when there will be one person who reigns upon your throne forever, and he will reign with justice and righteousness, and his kingdom will have no end. But there is a gap. There's a gap from that promise to that fulfillment, and God wanted his people to fill that gap with faithfulness until the time that the king was born, and the king one day was born, and his name was Jesus. And they called him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins for those who were faithful to him. And that's a blessing that reaps a harvest that continues to us, to this place today. You see, times of change and uncertainty are the fertile soil into which we can plant seeds of faithfulness to reap a harvest of blessing. Now, we don't make these types of blood covenants in our lives today. We'd probably have issues with animal rights activists if we were doing that in the church here. But we're still expected to keep our word. We're still expected to stand by our word with one another and to act faithfully in all of our relationships. When you say, you can count on me, my word is my bond, you want people to trust you. I think it's a common idea. We want people to believe us when we say such things because we want to reap a harvest of good character, of integrity, of being trustworthy in terms of being a friend or, or a teammate, an employee, a spouse. We want to have that good reputation and be trustworthy to say, my word is my bond and be believed in this. Jesus talked about this himself in, in Matthew chapter 7, where he was referencing how, how people would make these oaths to others, and they would, they would swear by heaven and earth that I'm true in, in an effort to kind of prove the honesty of the thing that they were swearing. It's like, it's like I swear on my mother that we hear some people say sometimes. It's the same idea of adding something to our word. And, and Jesus' response is simply, in, in Matthew 5, 37, he simply says, look, live a life of integrity. And if you do so, there is no need to swear upon such things. If you're living a life of integrity, if you are known as a trustworthy, faithful person, he says in verse 37, then all you need to do is simply say yes and no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. All you'll simply need to do is say yes and no. Why? Because you'll have sowed seeds of faithfulness and people will believe you at a simple yes and a simple no. Just remember what faithfulness is all about. It's about being dependable in our relationships. And if that's what it's about, then I think it's important for us to understand 
these solemn promises that we read about in Scripture and that we make in our own lives, these things that we refer to as covenants. And I think it's important for us to understand because sometimes we treat covenants more like contracts. And faithfulness and application and the purpose of contracts and covenants is very, very different. Now, they may look similar, but they couldn't be more different in purpose and application. You see, consider a contract, for example, where two parties come together and they make a commitment. They promise they will do something for another person. If, you know, for example, if you've ever joined a gym, they're going to want you to sign a contract. And the contract has all sorts of language to it, but the most basic level, the contract says, I will give you access to my gym if you give me 50 bucks a month. It is basically what the purpose of the contract is. And the purpose of the contract is to be protectionistic. You see, it's to say, if you give me what I got coming to me, I will give you what you got coming to you. If you don't give me the money, I won't give you access. If I don't give you access, you won't give me the money. It's a conditional agreement. They can be important in life, but they're conditional and they're protectionistic. It makes sure I get mine before you get yours. Covenants are similar where in the sense that two parties come together and they agree upon the terms of a commitment. They promise things to each other. For example, in a marriage, when people stand before their family, friends, and God, and they say, I will love you. I will respect you. I will strive to forgive you when forgiveness is needed, and I will strive to grow with you in our love and knowledge of the Lord together. We make these commitments. But it's not a contract, because here's the difference. And the difference is, is shown in the purpose and the application. When two people make that agreement to each other, that commitment to each other, it is an unconditional commitment, meaning it's a covenant. And here's where the difference is. When Nadine and I did that, we made these promises to each other, and I can tell you over the years that we have failed each other. If it was treated as a contract, the minute I slipped up, she has every right to cancel and said contract is null and void and cut bait and leave. And that's not the purpose of a covenant. That's, that's not how a covenant works. You see, in the moments when, when I have failed her or moments when she has failed me, it's not right. It's not okay. There are implications for that. But even when that happens... Even in the moments when perhaps she may fail me, it does not change the fact that I made a promise. And my promise is not contingent upon her faithfulness to her promise, and her promise to me is not faithful upon my contingent upon my faithfulness to her. You see, my word is my bond. My vows to her do not say, if you will such and such and such, then I will. My vows simply said, I will. I will. Unconditional. My word is my bond. A contract, I have reason to sever it. A covenant says it's inappropriate when the other person doesn't follow through. It's wrong. It needs to be addressed. But it doesn't change the fact I made a promise. Covenants and contracts are very different. Now, over the years, life has thrown us curveballs. 
we have gone through times of change and uncertainty. Some of them we've brought upon ourselves. We've made some mistakes along the way. We've not always been perfect in our marriage. Sometimes our halos fall off. Even though I'm a pastor and people think that I glow in the dark, sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I'm not always faithful to the promises that I make. But I can tell you this, that we have always returned to faithfulness in the midst of those things. And because of that, God has been so faithful to us. And this past week has been a big week of celebrating faithfulness in the Dixon household. You see, back on Wednesday, Nadine and I celebrated 25 years of marriage, of faithfulness to each other. And, and she deserves a lot of congratulations for putting up with me for 25 years of faithfulness in that. But God's further blessed us and proved his faithfulness to us as this past week we also welcomed the arrival of our first granddaughter. Our first granddaughter, Lydia Eden Dixon, who was born on Monday, five pounds, 11 ounces. She is tiny, but she is healthy and she is precious. And she was a reminder to us of God's blessings, of God's faithfulness to us and to our family. You see, through these times of change and uncertainty that we all find ourselves in, that is the fertile soil in which we have the opportunity to plant seeds of faithfulness. And if we do, we will reap a harvest of blessing in the future. So being faithful in our relationships to one another is is so important. But how much more so our relationship with God? You see, for Christians, it's critical for us to be faithful to God. It's, and this faithfulness is not simply believing in God. It's putting faith in him, being faithful to him. See, James 2.19 says, even the demons believe in God, but they shudder in terror. Why? Because they are not faithful to him. You see, faithfulness takes our belief in God of who he says he is and what he says he will do, despite changes, despite uncertainty, despite our whims, and functionally trusts and says what the Bible says is true. Regardless of what the world may say, regardless of what my eyes and my ears may tell me in this moment, I will be faithful to the reality that God is who he says he is, and he is true and faithful to his will and to his plans. Psalms 33, 4 puts it this way. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. See, the current situations that we find ourselves in are not beyond God's control, are not beyond his timing. Nothing that has happened in this world or will happen in this world has ever thwarted God. Have you ever thought of the reality that God has never been taken off guard? That nothing has ever dawned upon God or taken him by surprise? You see, in spite of man's plans, and in spite of our unfaithfulness at times, in spite of the unfaithfulness of others, in spite of COVID and all the changes that it brings to our lives, he will work everything out for good, for his good, for his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And at times, our faith may waver, but God's never does. His promises still remain, and we can take assurance in that. So how do we grow? How do we maintain faithfulness to God and others in our lives? Well, it begins by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to then live faithfully according to his word. And the only way that we can do this, 
is through the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is where the fruit of faithfulness comes from, which is how we are led into all truth of the Holy Spirit, how, how he convicts us to seek God. He, he convicts us to make us more faithful. And let's be honest, if this was left up to us, the promise would never be fulfilled because we slip into these times of unfaithfulness and to these times of sin and separation, which creates a gap, again, uh, between where we stand and God's promises. But just as God stood in the gap and entered into that covenant with Abraham as he walked between those two pieces, declaring that he would take the full brunt of responsibility to ensure the fulfillment, he did the same for us through Jesus Christ as he entered into an unconditional covenant with us through Jesus Christ who stood in that gap between our sin and God's promises. And as Jesus stood in that gap, he took the full penalty the full responsibility of our sins upon himself as he, as he hung upon that cross and died. And the fulfillment of that promise was not dependent upon us because the work was complete through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our role in the mix, our role is to do this, to say thank you. Our role is to believe that the work of Christ was sufficient to pay the price for our sins and then to receive it and to accept it and to live a life of faithfulness in response to what he has done for us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 explains that this way. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift that comes from God. Not by works, because if it was by works, then some of us would find reason to boast. See, Jesus was that seed that was planted in the ground. And when he rose to life, there's a harvest for all of us to be a part of. And once you do that, that's the first step, to accept Jesus' forgiveness and to enter into a personal relationship with him. And once we do that, then in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell within us, he guides us into all faithfulness towards God and our relationships with others. And we begin to see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives as we live faithfully with him, as we invest in growing and knowing and loving him more. So whether we need to engage, re-engage, or nurture that faith, I want to encourage you and challenge you to commit to find your place here at West Meadows starting today and into this fall. To take that personal responsibility for your faith. Whether that means finally taking that step and committing to a reading plan and being faithful to it. Being faithful to having a regular prayer life. Being faithful to engage in community once again, whether online or on site. And if you need assistance in any of those ways, if you want to make any of those commitments within yourself and to God and to others, let us know. We want to help you to make those commitments that you may grow in your knowledge and love of God through these things as you take personal responsibility for your faith journey. And it can happen here on site when it is safe for you and when you are ready to come join us on a Sunday morning once again. When you are ready and you feel it's safe to engage into a life group again this fall when you find ways to serve, and we need people to help us serve starting in the weeks ahead. Or perhaps a person who is online still, for whichever reasons that may be. There's even more of a responsibility to invest in our personal journey when we're on our own. And we have to resist those, those bad patterns of inactivity that have become so prevalent in many people's lives. 
And we want to assist you as a church in doing that as well. And one way we're going to do that, and the details are still coming together, but we are going to be offering what we're referring to as fidgetal ministry this fall. That means that we will have classes that will be simultaneously online and physically offered in the building. So you can engage in the same discipleship opportunities, the same opportunities to study, grow, and know people, whether it is digitally or if it is physically within the building here. But I want to encourage you and challenge you to press into these things that you can grow in your knowledge and awareness and your faithfulness to the faith commitments that we've made and to one another. And when we truly do this, it shapes the way we live. And when it shapes the way we live, it becomes evident in our relationships with others. And we can then become more faithful to them. Which is a form of being faithful to God as well, if you think about it. Because we're actually living out before other people the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. When we live out the grace, truth, and love of Jesus Christ before the world, it's like a little mini gospel message that others can see in us. When we are faithful to them, because God is faithful to us. So, as we come to close, I'd invite you if you'd stand with me right now. And as we go to a time of prayer in just a moment here, I just want to ask you a question. How can you show faithfulness to God in your life? For some of us, it might begin by saying, I need to accept him. I've never actually taken that step of accepting and placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And I need to do that today. I need to take that step and accept him today and to begin to walk with him in new life starting this day. If that is the case for you, I'm going to invite you to pray with me in just a moment. There are others here who are saying, you know, the way that I can press more into faithfulness with God is, is there are things in my life that are getting in the way. And I need to confess my pride. I need to surrender my control, my plans. I need to acknowledge my fear of allowing God to have his way. And if, if there is something in your life that you need to confess, I invite you to pray with me in a moment as well. But then thirdly, are there areas of life that you need to just surrender and give over to God? These areas of, of temptation and, and past struggles that you've just never fully found freedom from, that you've allowed to reign in your life for far too long, and you know, you've never taken the step, but you know if you were to release that, you would find freedom and a greater sense of walking in faithfulness with him and that you would experience God's blessing. I'll give you a moment to refocus upon that too and join me in a word of prayer. As you think about these questions and where you find yourself in the midst of it, pray that God will reveal to you and to make clear to you what that is, that he can guide you and how you can grow in your faithfulness with him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your faithfulness to us. We know, Lord, that you've expressed that and you've revealed that in so many ways in our lives over the past days, weeks, and months, and, and even years before we even entered into this season. But God, the greatest reality, the greatest expression of your faithfulness to us is, is the sending of your son, Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I pray for and I pray with those people who are, who are here on site or who are gathered with us online, who do not yet have a relationship with you, Lord, who know that they need to take that step of faith, that they need to surrender their lives to you. And God, I pray with them and I pray for them right now that they would say, thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sins. Thank you for standing in the gap to pay the price that I cannot, to bridge the gap that I could not bridge on my own. I believe you are the Son of God, 
and that your work upon the cross was sufficient to set me free. You gave your life for me. I now give you mine. And Lord, for those who have made that confession right now, or for Lord, for those who have made that in the past, but acknowledge that we need to walk more closely in faithfulness with you in these days going forward, I pray that the Holy Spirit that was within us and among us would convict us and compel us to understand where those areas are that we need to surrender to you, that we would walk more faithfully with you, and, and, and that you would just honor us in that. But at the same time, Lord, that you would make us a blessing to others as we would reveal you to others. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.